Germany. Tanya and I are looking forward to hanging out with you guys, enjoying some Wiener Schnitzel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, gonna have some Wiener Schnitzel. Uh, that's a, that's a some Schnitzel. You're gonna try it. Yes, absolutely. Is that gonna be your first time? Yes. We got a first time Germany guy person over here. Should be fun. All right, can't wait to hang out with you guys. Germany is beautiful. Our fellow creation speaker slash personal tour guide is actually of German descent. Helmut Welk is a retired engineer with the John Deere Tractor Company and now travels both the US and Germany giving talks on creation science. Our drive along the Rhine River looking at castles and cruise ships on our way to Minden really leaves us in awe of the history and beauty of this amazing land. Createcon is a biannual event that started in 2019. Each year, it grows as people come to learn from more than a dozen scientists around the world. All right, we just got here to Createcon and it's kind of amazing. You walk in the room and you see like all these amazing people and they're just like hanging around like normal people. It's pretty, uh, did you come? That's Dr. Andy McIntosh right there. That's it. This is incredible. This is absolutely awesome. So we're in for a treat, aren't we? Yeah. The first person I want you to hear from is Paul Mathis. He's the genius behind these Createcon conferences. Ein Kugelschreiber Gottesbeweis. Wir haben bei uns in der Stadt in Düren, wo ich herkomme, eine ein Café, hoffnungsvoll nennt sich das. Okay, I don't think that's going to work for most of us. Let's switch over to English. Createcon is a conference centering or centering on creation and it's a central dogma of the Bible and we want to affirm the belief in the Bible. And not, not just a metaphorical belief, but the real literal belief in the passages of the Bible, which are meant to be understood literally and not just metaphorically. I'm from a Russian-German background, so I was born in Russia. And um, we, my parents, my grandparents, we returned to Germany like 30, 40 years ago. And when we returned to Germany, most of my Parents, grandparents, a lot of the, the community, a lot of them were Christians in the first or second generation. So there was a revival in Russia amongst the, the German speaking population, um, Baptist kind. <laughs> and uh, when we came here, we realized that a lot of German churches are backslidden. And we didn't connect, mainly. We just stayed in our sub community. And we built our Aussiedlergemeinden, so that's a special term. <laughs> and uh, because our parents, they didn't want us to, to be, become worldly so fast. You have to realize that, this, that, that the cultural revolution, which has gone in, uh, by in the West, it wasn't there in the East. So behind the, how do you say in English? Iron the iron wall, the iron curtain, we say. That was not the fact there. So all this sexual revolution, so it was not here. And it certainly has an impact on, on whole society and also on churches. And well, our parents, they decided to, to, to build their own churches. I'm speaking very generally. It doesn't mean that every church in Germany was backslidden. I'm, that would be not, not correct, to, to be sure. Uh, and um, yeah. 
And now we are new generations are being born and they start to integrate into the Western community. And I suppose that we will lose very fast the, the literal understanding of the Bible. And by that also a lot of our important dogmas and maybe Christ. And Creaticon should give an opportunity uh, to, to be a stronghold of Bible belief. That's the motivation behind Creaticon. We're, I think it's a movement of the creation movement in Germany. It's a small movement compared to the creation movement maybe in the US or in Australia or maybe also in the UK. But there are, if you have been to the conference, there are German speakers who stand firmly on the Bible and who are scientists and who have to say something. Yeah, and my vision is that we come together and Creaticon is a platform to bring those creationists together and to cooperate, to collaborate and to reach the young generation. So it's not just uh, holding to a belief, it, it's also future-oriented to, to, to bring us together and to stand together, to discuss controversially, to help each other, to mitigate all those differences which may, may harm us. Okay, yeah. tell me about your magazine, Creation Magazine in Germany. It's uh, schöpfung.info, uh, it uh, also has a website which is uh, of the same name. Uh, we try to translate good English articles, write some articles ourselves or uh, ask people to write articles. And we want to inform about creation and just make a beautiful magazine so that people open it and they just love what they see and what they read. And it's a part of um, honoring God. If you had the ear of every German pastor, every pastor in Germany, and you could tell them one thing, what would you want to tell them? That's a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think be a role model in believing and living the Bible. Honoring God is exactly what they did at Creaticon. Everything was done with excellence. They provided coffee, snacks, lunch, and dessert with tea for 1,800 people over a three-day period. And they didn't even charge anyone for the conference. Hey guys, I'm here with Jan and uh, we're at Kreyetikon and uh, tell me what you were just saying. Yes, so uh, about uh, a year ago I was one of these uh, very aggressive atheists that our friend has been debating for a long time. Um, and then Covid came and showed me there is true evil in this world and I decided to well, be fighting for the good team and not the bad team. Well, it's an amazing um, conference. I learned, I learned um, a lot of about creation and um, the small things in the creation and um, the big um, planet. And um, I wondered about our creator, about our God. And I'm um, very happy that he has so lot um, young people 
I think it is the biggest uh, conference in Germany about creation. It's no um, other conference and um, I pray it is going on. <laughs> we were started 22 years ago in the north of East Germany. We, I came from the communist part of Germany, but I was Christian when I was 10 years ago and then uh, it's a long story, but uh, 20 years ago I moved in this area. We, we founded a, a Christian camp for families, for people, young people. And parallel, it was uh, my, my, my dream to have a publishing house to uh, publish books for young people. Wow. When I was uh, a young man, I was going to school, and in school I have heard uh, evolution mm -hmm. theory, yes? When I going to to the to the church, I have heard God has created in six days, and I I have a head, and I and and I, it, it was not going inside. <laughs> One said this, your aunt was said this. After some years, I I got a, a, a book from Ernest Walter Smith, and in 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 this book I have read from a from a scientist. He said I believe on the Bible, and. I believe on, on science and there is, no, there is no problem, really. And I was so happy as a young Christian. And I said, okay, my problem is solved. Wow. And then we, we have started the publishing house and the, 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 the important book is, is Creatio. It is for young people up to 14 years. And in every part of the science is shortly uh, recommended. So biology, um, biology, ethics, physics, yeah, physics yeah. Uh, fossil, yes, uh, and the age of the earth, and uh, every part that is discussed on the on the school is uh, uh, is explained on this book, and this book is now uh, translated into six other languages in Russian, in French, and we are very happy about this book. That's beautiful. Yes, we have sold over ten thousand copies of the book in Germany, and this is this is. It's a big not, deal. Yes, yeah. but uh, I'm not proud about the, the, no, the number, but thankful to God. I, I am happy that it was not. Uh, uh, it was good to have the book. Yeah. And then we have contact to Alexander von Stein. He is the author, and now he lived in Portugal, yeah, okay. Park Discovery. And then he published uh, other books about creation. Now we have a book about uh, about birds, yeah. Oh, beautiful. And, and his plan is to have five books about the whole creation. This is uh, volume one about the birds, volume two is about animals, volume three is about the man, volume four is about plants, and volume five is about uh, special themes. Wow. And I hope I will, uh, I will not die before the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the fifth uh, volume is there. Yeah. Tell me, um, uh, how do people get in touch with, uh, your, with, your, with your publishing company, website, something like this? Yeah, we are connected with uh, several Christian publishing houses in Germany. And I think in this time in that we live, it is so important to be connected and to work together and not to work against. Uh, it's, it's no problem to have not so much money and not to be the biggest one. Right. But this is also an influence of this conference that we, that we meet each other. I can... I can see you I have not uh, yeah. uh, known you before and this is so important and, and we are going in one direction and this direction is Jesus Christ 
it's not my own honor that I'm seeking. And, and that is important for me, wow. yes. Yeah. So if somebody wants to buy books in German, where, yes. where do they go buy them? Where is uh, yeah, yes, we have a website, okay. daniel-verlag.de and there is a very good job okay. and we send books to Austria, Switzerland, German-speaking area but we have this book also in, in Spain, Creatio and uh, some weeks ago we sent a container to Cuba with 2,000 copies and we find people that have paid for the books and then we find the container and I have get the message last week the container is arrived in Cuba it is through the Zoll what, what is Zoll? Custom? Custom, yeah, yeah. two customs and, and, and Cuba is, 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 it is oh, yeah. the, the situation is terrible yeah. for the moment yeah? so many people are going out yeah. and, and so we are happy that uh, yes we have sent medicine we have sent some, some things to eat uh, but also they had the wish please send us Creatio we need it for our young people I'm telling you, this entire Creaticon conference was just inspiring. They had an entire museum come and take up almost one floor of the Bible Center, and it's a portable museum. And it does some amazing displays that help you understand simple truths about God, His Word, creation, science, dinosaurs. And they said this wasn't even the entire portable museum. I gotta say, I was very impressed. Their track for the kids was phenomenal. They invited kids to be part of a program that let them experience the world blind. And then, well, here, let me show you. The kids and uh, with one guide are going blindfolded through this um, scenario. And we have four rooms. This is the forest. And in the forest, um, they can touch some um, leaves some trees, uh, they go over a bridge and here's also a little bit of water and um, so that they can feel the water and it's like a um, yeah, like a river it's here. and yes that's this room and in this room they um, hear some noises and they um, have to um, guess what noise it is and for example a train or something else, a car yes um, the next room, the third room is a restaurant in the restaurant they get something to eat, they have to know how to eat when they're blindfolded, they need to um, put their hands to their mouth, for example, or um, they need to open a bottle uh, when they're blindfolded, they can't see this. Yeah. And in the last uh, station of this, uh, of this museum here, um, they are in a city, and they go uh, over the street, um, they have to be a little bit uh, curious what a house feels like, they can t uh, touch the the walls from the house, yeah, and there are also a little market where they can touch some fruits, um, pineapple, oranges, for example. And they have to guess what these fruits are, and uh, all of this is um, uh, is a is a oh, It's a story from uh, from the Bible. It's about Bartholomeus, a blind guy, uh, who Jesus uh, heals and. We are, we are guides, we are the Bartholomeus, and at the end we uh, tell them the story about Bartholomeus, how he got uh, healed from Jesus, and then we open the door, and then comes some light in the room, and then they can uh, put uh, away their blindfolds, yeah, and then they can see something. That's the That's story about this uh, museum here.
how do you guys feel like the kids are responding to this? What, what are they? Um, some response are uh, they like it very much, and because it's completely new for them, they uh, go through the scenario completely blind, and they think, "Wow, this is it's great!" And how is this all here? And also, a few kids want to see the room then in, when lights in because they ask them how how they built it. Or, um, yeah. This. That's this is amazing. Absolutely amazing. What a genius idea. What a genius idea. It's like I said, everything that they did was done with excellence. It, did I mention the food? Wow, we ate good food. Even our host home, Jacob and Marta, actually, to say it correctly, I should say Jakob, they were incredible. It didn't matter if we got home at 10 o'clock at night or midnight from the conference, there was food on the table when we got home. And the next morning, a beautiful breakfast laid out. Their hospitality was truly unmatched. You can't separate the creator from the savior. So it's the same person. And so I think it's very necessary to tell the people that. And we have a lot of problems in German schools because they always learn evolution and they start in primary school with this. And so I think it's very important to um, give another um, answer for the question um, how did life develop? How so far do you feel like Germany is receiving this information? Mm, I think it's all the same in all the European countries um, that if you open any school book you only find evolution there's no many no place for creation and, and, and again the people um, um, the pupils in primary school they start with this topic, they have no feeling what is a million or a billion of years, but they know the names and the numbers and uh, that is the case. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really from a Christian background, I was born in the Netherlands. Um, and then when I was uh, about 17-18 years I started to, 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 to become interested in biology. I, was a lot of, I did a lot of field work for instance, I loved bird watching, these type of things. So for me it was more or less logical that I, uh, that I'm, that I was going to study biology. And um, this really, um, this really um, triggered something in me because I went through the biochemistry, I went through the molecular, molecular genetics, and I thought, wow, this is so intriguing, this is so intriguing. And I wanted to more, to, to explore it more and more and more and more deep. And then uh, I did my PhD in gene expression, how genes are switched on, how they are switched off. And I started to realize, this was in the 90s, that we are, that we are studying an information system. And then I became very, very skeptic about Darwinian evolution. And I started to read books on this topic. And I found out in those days that actually in the 90s, the Darwinistic evolutionary theory was refuted. And this is simply not told to anybody. But if you look into cells, what's going on in the cells, it's an information system. And one of the things that they did in the 90s is to get knowledge and insight in how genes function. They removed genes, the so-called conserved genes. They are found in mice, but also in humans. So they must be very important. So what they did, 
they removed these genes from the mouse and they expected to see very difficult phenotypes, sicknesses, illnesses, um, yes, mice that should be dead, for instance. And they discovered that nothing was, was wrong with these mice. So I thought, wow, this selection theory is completely wrong. It cannot be selection. So this was one of the things that triggered in me that the, the Darwinian um, philosophy was completely wrong. So I started to realize that, and then I, in, in those days, I read these books. There were a lot of books. Behe wrote books in those days. Uh, Michael Denton, he wrote books in those days. There were a lot of, of people who realized that the Darwinian philosophy was dead. And um, it has not, not been uh, made public. But we know, as biologists, we know it. We know it. If you simply look into the, the cell, what the cell is, we know that this, it is not a Darwinistic system. It cannot be explained by Darwinistic principles. So this is what I realized in the 90s. And then I met my wife, Lisa, and she was on her way with Jesus. And I thought, wow, let, let's, let's, read more about, let's read more about Jesus and about the Bible. And I realized, wow, what's written there? That could be true. <laughs> so, and then we moved to Australia. I did research in Australia, the similar, similar or the same research, genetic uh, expression, uh, how genes are switched on and off. Yeah. And I, um, I went to a, a big, big church and the Lord, he really touched me there. He said some stuff over there by people that nobody could know and I thought whoa god you are real <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah so so I converted in 2003 and uh, I wrote everything down in this book my what what made me first what made me um, what made what made me what convinced me why Darwinian uh, evolutionary theory is wrong but also how we can understand biology and genetics from a creation point of view and that is what's actually what I did last couple of years and uh, as said I worked a lot in in, uh, in academia for universities and now I'm working since uh, three years for Wortunwissen in in Germany and we are a, an association that is defending creation from a scientific point of view we are a, yeah, a bunch of group a group of, of scientists who are really believing in God in creation and we defend this position I'm, I'm really curious, was this kind of, were you discovering the early days of epigenetics? Is that kind of what genes are switched on oh, and off? Oh yes, this is, all, this is also uh, involved. I mean, epigenetics is very important in this type of, of processes. But the thing is, um, there was not much known in the 90s about epigenetics. We were first discovering the first things about uh, epigenetics, yeah. what the methylation of DNA and so forth. But uh, later, early 2000, they discovered this whole new code in, in, in our, on our DNA, yeah, on, the, on, the, on the proteins on the DNA, which, is, uh, which makes it, uh, the DNA accessible or less accessible so that the right genes can be switched on and off. Because it is understandable that we are made of, 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 of billions of cells and we have different organs and all types of different cells. So all these cells use different programs. So programs have to, have to be switched off in certain cells and others have to be switched on. And this is epigenetics. And it's, a, it's another layer of regulatory machinery that comes to the DNA. It's not just DNA, it's also how the DNA is functioning and how it is regulated. And this is like programming, it's a computer. We are studying computer. And even the simplest cell is a computer. People, people always look at their handies, at, at their uh, cell phones and say, wow, that is brilliant. But uh, 
the simplest sail is even more brilliant. So it is so easy to, to see the Lord and the, the handiwork of the Lord everywhere. That is beautiful. Well yeah. said. It sounds like you've talked about this before. Yeah, uh, I do a lot of presentations uh, in German, in, mostly in German, but I also sometimes uh, do presentations in France, in the Netherlands. So yeah. Beautiful. Okay, so tell me about what you're doing here and what are you presenting at Creaticon? Well, I presented here at Creaticon uh, uh, how I came to, 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 uh, to the Lord through my life. I, I told a bit about my life, but I told also about uh, about what we found in the 90s and what we now find in the cells and how we have to understand cells and that we can understand cells much better from an intelligent design point of view from a creation point of view it is very clear that, that a cell is a, is a is a system is an information system and we know information is an immaterial thing and one of our colleagues, Werner Gitt, here in Germany, he wrote a lot about it. I think he's, he's very renowned worldwide. He, he showed that information is immaterial and that it is, it is, um, it's going further, it's going beyond the matter. So, th mm. in fact, if we realize that materialism is, cannot bring forth the information in cells, we have to, we can also argue that materialism our worldview ended nobody realizes it yet but the information in cells information in the dna is actually ending a sort of worldview yeah so this is what i realized information immaterial the only source for information we know of is an intelligent being mind, yeah. or mind yes well Beautiful. said. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, that's awesome. I think what we see today is uh, we had a very dark time in Europe, a very dark time, because there's overwhelming influence of evolutionism. People think that they are product of chance only. I think there's now, after also the dark period of, of, of the COVID period, we see that a lot of people start thinking again, where are they from? What is the sense of all? So we see that now the last couple of years a lot of people uh, have these questions, these existential questions. Um, and I think uh, the time is, 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 is ripe to present again that the hypothesis uh, of creation yeah. is a, still a very valid one. I think for me, if I study biology, it's the most... Uh, is the most logical, is the most parsimonious uh, hypothesis at the moment. And although people believe, a lot of people believe that Darwin discovered how um, how life or life uh, or species came into being, I think that uh, what he discovered is not a lot uh, of worth to what we really see in cells. And I describe this in my book. What Darwin is unable to explain, and it is really a lot. And natural selection, of course, we cannot deny natural selection, but we have to realize that natural selection is something that cannot bring forth novel information. And what, I also, what also has been found out over the last couple of years is that adaptations are pre-programmed in, uh, in the genome. So we have, next to... Um, the tools, the toolbox, these are the protein coding genes. We have a complete uh, system, genetic system, that is able to 
generate very fast variation in your cells and adaptation in your cells. And I described it in, the book, in my book. And this, this is also long known among biologists, if they're interested in it. So we just need to get your book out to the whole world. Yeah, it, it can be. It can actually be be found on Amazon. Oh, I was going to ask you, yeah, where do yeah. we find it? Yeah, so it's, go it's, to it's Amazon, Amazon yeah. and we can yeah. and we can find the book right there. Man. And I already discussed it a bit with uh, with a guy who, who who passed by a couple of minutes. People either hate it or they love it because they know what it means. <laughs> yes, they know. What they it recognize. Means. It. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's already recorded. Now, what should I say? I love it here. Um, learning a lot about the Lord, getting to know Him better. We love it here. We love it here. I think it's very helpful to, like, if um, no Christian people ask you something, that you have answers for them. So, I have many um, conversations with people, and now I know better some things, and I can, I hope I can. Uh, use those uh, new things what I learned here. Yeah. All right, who's ready to tell a whole world about these truths? I mean, this is powerful. Why doesn't everybody understand this? We are made in the image of God. Well, more amazing speakers were at the conference. Here's my friend, Dr. Marcus Blitz. Uh, I was uh, born as a Catholic. The Catholic background, and so I was believing in God basically, but uh, not really a believer. And then, uh, maybe eight, 17, 18 years old, I decided to put the Bible aside because I, I heard some discussions in the TV, and they talked about how the world came to be, and uh, I learned okay, they have good arguments, scientists, and uh, and the other guys, they didn't have, you know, these spiritual people, they didn't have good arguments. Actually, they just said, God made it, God made it, that's it. And I thought, okay, I have a brain, I can think, you know, and, uh, and they have arguments they don't have. So these guys are the right ones, you know. And so I, and that's, I adopted completely the evolutionary world. Because I thought, this is the thing you, know, you have to believe. And that's when I started to... Uh, study physics because really I was enthusiastic about this world you know I thought it's always interesting about the dinosaurs and millions of years and I really believed it. because I thought okay maybe I don't know everything but there are a lot of people who have studied this for years and they know very well and then when you, when you study this in university as the professor and he tells you everything Okay, sounds reasonable, and 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 he he's, he's okay, and, and I just believe what he says. So and this went a long time, a long time until I got in the personal crisis, and only in the personal crisis where I was really, really at the bottom of my life, only then God could talk to me, because I was so proud of my worldview and so convinced that everything was right, you know, and only there could really talk to me and and this was some things happened I cannot describe right now also some not natural things really wonders happened and I, I, I this was necessary because I was as a natural naturalist or materialist I, I was only believing in things I saw 
No, God had to show me something. That, okay, come on. There is something behind it. You know? And, and this happened suddenly. Suddenly. And then, then I started to read the Bible. And never before. I just opened the Bible. I, I don't know. The, the, the Gospel of Matthew. Opened it. And immediately I understood this is the truth. I never could understand it before. And I understood, okay, I'm a sinner. This wasn't difficult to understand. <laughs> and, and I know I need Jesus, you know. And so my worldview changed completely, upside down. And now I had a, r a real problem. Because the real problem was, how do I put all this together? You know, evolution theory and then the first chapter in the Bible. How, how does this fit together? And uh, the only way is, well, I didn't know first. And then I remember when I, when I read the, f the first chapter and I was thinking, what can I do, what can I do? And then suddenly a thought came into my mind. And the thought was, if you don't believe this, then we too cannot make a step further. We. And I immediately knew, oh, okay, this was not my thought. This is God's thought. And he was talking to me. And I really, you know, if God talks to you, you have to answer. You cannot say, oh, I don't know, or whatever. So I, I said, okay, I thought, okay, God, I don't know how this fits together to everything I know, but I believe you. Wow. This was probably the greatest uh, jump in, in, in faith I ever, I ever did. Because I, I jumped into the water without having anything. No, no proof. Or the, I just believed, okay, this must be right what is standing here. And then, then things happened because then people came to me and said, ah, have you read this and that, read that? And I, I got from uh, creation ministries, uh, for example, answers in Genesis and, and, and all this stuff, which is in the English uh, language, basically. <laughs> there was some German stuff also, but not so much. And, uh, and I realized, ah, there are believers who do science with the Bible. You know, <laughs> it's like brand new thing. Brand new thing. So you're now exposed to all this new science information, right? But what did that do for you? Well, it, as I said, it turned upside down my worldview. But I was so uh, how to say enthusiastic now, and I, I knew, okay, this is the truth, and I believed lies, and I. And I realized somehow this, has, this information has to go to other people. And I realized also in Germany especially, there were not many people... Okay, there were a lot of believers, and, uh, but they are not outspoken enough. And they just hide a little bit and they're not clear enough. And I thought, this has to change and I have to do something. Also, I didn't know so much at the first, <laughs> in the beginning, you know. And so I started just with the first talks two years after uh, the Lord found me, I started with the first talks and uh, oh, in the beginning it went not too good sometimes I got so many questions you know we had a lot of questions <laughs> and I had to learn and learn and learn uh, and I had to go into different scientific fields I couldn't stay just with astrophysics this the field where I specially specialized I had to know a lot of other fields and, uh, and I learned it and uh, and I realized okay that's what people are looking for. They, they have questions. They have questions, a lot of questions, and, and they have no answers, or the wrong answers. And, uh, and that's what motivates me. Motivated me and still motivates me. Uh, 
because there are so many people out there which which are lied at, which don't know the truth. Exactly. And uh, and but now I can see the truth and, and I can I can build bridges because I I, I know how it, how it was before. I, I have, I, my old worldview is still very vividly in my mind, <laughs> and I still can connect. You know, and, and I hope to, to, to make bridges and people bring to to see the inconsistencies of the of the non-biblical worldview and to see that this is a, a worldview which not only makes sense but brings a lot of joy also. because everything makes sense and you have a, a future you have a prospect you have a, something which is waiting for you there's nothing waiting if you're an evolutionist except of death <laughs> so what are you speaking on here at the conference well, I, I talked about a couple of things. Uh, I talked about um, oil and gas, how naturally oil and gas came to be, or how maybe God was involved <laughs> in the global flood. Ma basically, uh, how this, uh, we can explain this from, from the perspective of the Bible. So this was one topic, and to, uh, this morning I talked about birds, bird swarms, so how, how these uh, birds move collectively and if this is due to some collective uh, intelligence emerging magically or to the creator which put a lot of information into the birds so that they behave correctly. And there's another one which is here on the transgender agenda uh, and uh, the disappearance of the sexes you know which which yeah. everybody so i will talk about this one you see a lot of different topics but this is very important here also in germany sure. yeah. uh, i think so you're going into the science of this is this the one you did with this uh, is andy mcintosh or no 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 okay. this is this is uh, this, this is different um this is basically I, i'm showing uh, from behavior science then from the brain and suddenly and finally uh, from a genetic point of view. is this in english no, I'm sorry. I want this in English. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. This was many years ago when I came here to Minden to Paul Mattis and, uh, and I gave lectures in, in the church, in the local church. And people were fascinated, especially the young people. And they said, we have to do something, we have to do something, they said. And then Paul came up with the idea. He talked to me, I have an idea, he said. How about a big conference? <laughs> I, it's just an idea. I don't know, but I said, and if I, he asked me if I would talk. I said, of course, of course. I never did before, but I will. <laughs> and then, and then he worked this out over years, over the years, and so we have no idea this will happen. And this is great because because this is we bring together all these different scientists, believers with different worldviews, and also if, of course there are some differences which we can work out here. And it's just great. That's beautiful. What's next? What does the creation movement need to do next? I think we, we need to spread the information to more people and especially look into the churches that young people are coming next, which which go to the universities, which not say, ah, oh, that's bad, I don't want to go there because they teach only evolution. No, go there. Go there, make your doctors even or whatever, and then speak up for God. Yes. <laughs> That, that's, that's what we need, a long-term plan we need. I was a very active atheist when younger and I said to my wife, 
She is the daughter of a priest that uh, we had a little problem there because I was an atheist. I, I said to her that I would rather die than become a Christian. So I would rather die. So this was a problem. Then I, she started praying for me and I went to France to study medicine. And as I was nearing, it was in Montpellier, uh, South France on the Mediterranean. So I was sitting in the train and there was a guy sitting opposite me and we started talking and he was uh, a messianic Jew, it turned out, <laughs> and Charles Belov, his name. And we became good friends and uh, as a messianic Jew, he told me about Jesus. So I thought that, oh, this is terrible, Jesus, I didn't care. I, I didn't come here to hear about Jesus. I came here to be a doctor. So, well, we were friends. We were good friends, and uh, we studied together. He was a biochemist who wanted to become a doctor. So, <coughs> excuse me. He taught me biochemistry. And without this Messianic Jew, I would never ever have become a medical doctor because that is really difficult biochemistry. Yeah. And he taught me biochemistry. And thanks to Charles. I became a medical doctor and more thanks I got to know Jesus because we were working in the lab and uh, all kinds of mixtures and as you do lab jobs. So Charles said to me that Pekka, you, know, you look at this boiling water there, do you really think that out of this boiling water jumps living cells? I said no. <laughs> <laughs> because it's scientifically impossible. It is scientifically impossible. This story about uh, warm ponds that produce life and cells, this is nonsense. It is absolutely unscientific. It's against everything we know about physics, chemistry, genetics, mathematics. Mathematically impossible because just to get one working enzyme, uh, cell must have at least 300 enzymes. Just to get one is uh, impossible. It, is, it was interesting that in Yale University, which is well known, there's a professor of bioinformatics, uh, David Gelerter. He's also a Jew. So Jews are very smart. So he noticed as a mathematician that it is mathematically impossible to get even one enzyme. So he said this uh, a few years ago that uh, uh, neo-Darwinistic evolution is no more science. It has become a religion, religion for those poor souls who need one emergency religion. That's what he said. And he almost got kicked out of Yale, but <laughs> since, since he was not a biology professor, they let him stay. And uh, he must be very good because he could, could stay. But that's what he said. His interview can be seen on YouTube. David Gelenter, he's very good. And so this is today we're in a situation where everything that has been taught in biology is wrong. Because biology is being taught to many people that you have one, uh, one piece of DNA produces one protein and that's it. We don't have genes anymore. We have gene areas, which are read from different starting points. And these gene areas can produce 1,000 proteins. And this is, this is something else. 
and the gene is like the hardware uh, the DNA is like a computer computer does nothing without the program mm -hmm. now we found the software the DNA the program the hardware cannot be changed it must not be changed because change state the computer doesn't work you get cancer you get sicknesses but now we found the software there's three main layers of software methylation uh, RNA molecules and uh, histone code three codes uh, at least maybe more and there's also time code because uh, uh, this shows that there were some lizards living in uh, an island where they ate only insects. So they were transported to another island where there was not insects but salad. So they would have died, but they didn't die because the lizard noticed that now the food stuff has changed. Uh, we're not, go not going to Kentucky Fried Chicken, but <laughs> we must eat salad. And very fast before they died out they developed a muscle in the intestine which slowed down the food passage so that they could take from the salad what they needed so this happened very fast and uh, the evolutionists were jubilating that now we have found that from mutations and natural selection we we prove evolution but yeah. that's yeah. they didn't prove that they proved that evolution is wrong <laughs> <laughs> because Never, never, never ever so fast would those changes made. Uh, mutations uh, are not uh, like a throwing of dice. They are directed. They are directed by this information because the lizard uh, tastes that this is food, this is salad. And the information is uh, conveyed to the cell by information carrying molecules. And this is thinking this computer there is silly uh, mm -hmm. actually an RNA computer the computer software is working on what do we do now okay we make a muscle in the intestine so we can live but if they are transported back to the island where you got these insects they change the program <laughs> they take wow. an insect program and this is what Darwin saw in the Galapagos Islands because he saw this Darwin's finches different on each island one dry island with strong beak and a wet island with little beak so now we know that uh, right now 2023 we have el nino which causes dry weather and the food is dry so all of the birds get a strong beak and maybe in five years, three years, we get La Nina, which means rain. So the food becomes soft. So the majority of the <coughs> Darwin's finches have a slender beak because it's better to eat. So it varies back and forth. Darwin thought that this is definite. It's not, it's back and forth. And uh, the created uh, family of uh, finches reacts to changes in food back and forth so it's pre-programmed uh, to survive with rapid changes darwinian mechanism uh, throwing dice getting a mutation here and there doesn't help it, it kills it, 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 it kills the computer it kills the hardware and that, that is the problem this epigenetic information is four layered and the fourth layer is time 
time, lineal La Nina, and uh, three layers of uh, epigenetic information software. And uh, this is what it is. And this is so complicated that God <laughs> must be behind it. Because who could program a computer program that you can have 1,000 products on top of one another in the code, depending on where you start reading, which direction you read. And it's all packed in there because God is very economical. He has to pack it all in just one cell, you see? And in one cell there's the directions how to, how to, comp how to build your brain. Because the brain has uh, 100, uh, 1 million or uh, 100 billion uh, synapses. And to put them together, it's like electrician. It would take an electrician 32 million years to assemble your brain. One, one assembly uh, per second. Oh, so who, who did it? <laughs> who put all the information in just one cell for this and instructions to do it? And uh, the brain is a living uh, computer. It's a uh, hard disk, never gets full, never. You can feed it <laughs> whatever you want. The problem is to take it out. <laughs> but it, uh, the hard disk never gets, never gets full. The, your brain is more complex than all the, all the smartphones today in the world. The brain does more computing than all the smartphones. When I look at you now, my eyes are working on one billion photons every second to make this picture, this moving color picture. And th this takes uh, about 20% of the energy, the food that I eat. So it's, uh, it's when looking at TV, when the advertisements come, I always close my eyes. Ah, I spare one, each second I spare one billion photos. I don't <laughs> think it is. Oh, yes. so, so this is uh, how it works. The, the eyes are not, uh, they are not uh, photography machines. The eyes are windows through which your brain looks out. It's actually brain is working in your eye. Wow. And uh, there's 20 channels which uh, produce, uh, which uh, you see, I see, I actually see you upside down, <laughs> but the brain uh, puts a picture right. And, and so uh, lots of other things. So. It's very complicated. It's like when I look at you, it's like uh, one million uh, data machines would be computing just to make you sit there. One million data PCs uh, uh, working. Same amount of uh, mathematical calculation when I look. That's why it's so hard looking. Wow. <laughs> so, so this is, this is life. Life is information. And Darwin said that in the beginning there was a warm little pond. I say in the beginning there was a information, Logos, Jesus. Jesus is information. So game, game over, Darwin, Jesus won. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, I retired in 2015 and I'd already been speaking on creation science for several years. But God laid it on my heart that I should come to the land of my birth. Uh, with a name like Helmut, I am German. And I was born in Cologne, but I grew up in Chicago and all my schooling was in the States. But I wanted to uh, take the message of biblical creation, 
and the gospel and see what I could do to help any churches I could find and just help people understand the truth of the Bible. So uh, I just did some online searches. I found somebody and he invited me. And you know, I don't want to go into too many details, but I started coming to Germany twice a year uh, for the last eight years to uh, just speak on creation. And sometimes I would come and in two weeks I'd do like uh, you know, 28 presentations. God just opened the door in many, many parts of Germany and it just kept you know, snowballing from there. Several years ago, I had suggested to a friend, Let's, you should do a creation conference of some kind. Well, they did, and they just took that ball and ran with it, or they already were thinking about it, I guess. And in 2019 was the first Createcon. In uh, uh, 2021, it was kind of a online Createcon from four locations. I was there. And this year, uh, I was able to come back and... Uh, you know, give two messages for Createcon and gave three messages in three different churches right before it. I feel that this message is important. It's important, obviously, in the States as well as it is here. But in Germany, there aren't as many, there are some, but not as many uh, good creation science speakers who speak to the truth of creation, the Bible. And so, you know, per population, it's difficult to get that word out. And I just wanted to see what I could do to help. And God has just opened up amazing doors. Germany is interesting in that it's like the Western world, and most of Germany uh, was part of the, you know, Western Europe. And you just have the growth of Darwinism and everybody pushing that, and just the general affluence, and then I don't need God, I'm just happy the way I am. What's interesting is Germany also includes a former communist country, East Germany. And there, the heavy influence for several generations of godless communism is still felt. Now, they were glad to get rid of communism, but the influence of Darwin and atheism is still strong. So anything I can do to uh, break through some of that is um, what I'm praying God will allow me to do. Createcon has been a great event in that it draws so many people to it. Uh, as you know, we, we had uh, 1,100 in the one room probably several hundred more, and then who knows how many online. You know, I looked up uh, several years ago about the creation science movement in Germany. It's been blossoming in the States and in places like South Korea and other places and in Brazil, uh, but I could not find much about Germany. I mean, it was like a desert uh, in terms of biblical creation and understanding and being committed to the gospel. Uh, there were some, and there have been a long time a scientist named Werner Gitt, and he has been to these uh, creation events. Uh, but he's been like a, a voice in the wilderness, holding firm on the truth of the Bible. He's written several books, and some of them have been translated into English. So he's been known in the United States. I knew about him, and I was just amazed that here was a German scientist standing up in a culture that has thinks they have no more need for God. Uh, what's exciting is that I got to meet Werner Gitt twice at these conferences. And I just recently was able to ask him, you know, Werner, uh, 30, 40 years ago, when I, you were one of the lone voices for biblical creation in Germany, did you ever think we'd have a conference like this with almost 20 great qualified speakers and scientists and 1,200 people in attendance. Did you think that would happen in your lifetime? And he looked at me and said, no, <laughs> but he's sure glad it is.
I did two talks. The first one was on uh, digging for dinosaurs or how, di how fossils are formed. So this was a talk where I was able to, uh, you know, have a well-documented bunch of pictures when I was able to dig up a dinosaur jawbone fossil in Montana. Uh, my wife and I were out there for a week and we, you know, digging in the dirt with a screwdriver into the side of a cliff until you find something interesting. Um, at one point, did dig out a about a 18 to 20 inch jawbone of a head Edmontosaurus, and then got to work on it in the lab. So we got. Did, I talked about that experience. I talked about how dinosaur fossils are found, uh, especially dinosaurs are completely jumbled, like they've been in the big mix master, and in the sediments are also uh, sea fossils of plants and animals. Uh, you know, seashells, crinoids, as, as well as ammonites. These are things that live in the sea. Why are they combined with the jumbled bones of these dinosaurs? And that's usually how we find them. Sometimes we buy, uh, find several. The jawbone that I found was actually just a few inches above what we think is a foot bone from the same Edmontosaurus. And then over a ways, they found one of the, uh, the toe bones. And they're mixed in with stuff like my wife found a piece of a fossilized turtle shell. And, and then you find other things of another uh, different type of dinosaur, but only a part of the backbone. So that, I, that by itself already speaks to evidence for a worldwide flood. And then uh, that when we do find, and then in the talk I talked about other dinosaurs, you know, what uh, finding them is like, how to put them together in the lab. And then it, like it took 10 years for the big Sioux Tyrannosaurus Rex in Chicago to be found, cleaned, and then assembled. But even that dinosaur, the one side of the skull of the T-Rex was smashed against the either the hip bone or the thigh bone, upper thigh bone. So you know it didn't live that way, and it didn't just fall over and die, get buried and fossilized. No, it was in a mixed master with other uh, animals, creatures, particularly from the sea. I talked about 95% of all fossils are sea fossils. So that was very interesting. I had a lot of other pieces in that. And uh, at the end of the presentation, I had a lot of questions. And that was a good one. My other talk uh, I was able to do today, and that was on atheism and the origin of life. And I was able to do that 99% uh, in German. Just needed a little bit of help. And I think it went over very well. And basically I just go through a little bit of the initial idea of the design argument. Uh, taking people with a lot of photos of a walk through Yosemite National Park. And you want to get to the top of the waterfall. And that's a long way up there. And finally you get to get to some steps. But I had pictures of jumbled rocks. Everybody agrees that just happened by random. And then I had pictures of a whole bunch of rocks making up a staircase and a landing with supporting rocks. Very nicely made. And I said, does anybody believe that this could have happened over millions of years? Just rocks falling from the cliff. And then I went into uh, Boeing 747 assembly. And then, and everybody agrees those things don't happen by themselves. But then I pointed out all the details of a living cell and yeah, a lot of people believe, oh, that just happened by chance. And that is much more complex than a large aircraft with four and a half million parts that don't fly. But if you put them together right, they do. 
and a living cell. You know, he's got all these amino acids, you got proteins, etc. How do they all form? And we just went through the evidence of that. And it's clear, the odds of a simple living cell popping into the primeval soup, whatever you want to call it, by itself is nil. And then a few other implications from there. Creaticon was such an incredible experience. We just want to say thank you to all the amazing people and churches that made Creaticon possible. And may God reward your sacrifice for making this incredible opportunity available to so many people. By the way, for those who are interested, they are uploading the conference sessions to their YouTube channel as they get edited. Some are in English and others are in German, so pick your poison. Now, since we're all the way over in Germany and we had Helmut to be our own personal German tour guide, we couldn't help but spend the last day as American tourists. All right, guys, so mom and I decided to do all the way up the tower. So what you saw on the outside, we're going up on the inside. Working our legs. Look at this. So all we have to do is go up all these stairs. How many is it? 800 and it's 157 meters. So, and this is what you're going up. Constructed over six centuries, the Cologne Cathedral is a testament to human ingenuity. Its construction began in 1248. And get this, it wasn't fully completed until 1880. That's a staggering 632 years in the making. The cathedral's foundation actually rests on ancient Roman ruins. The height of its twin spires reaches 515 feet, making this Gothic masterpiece the third tallest cathedral in the world. Now with her incredible endurance, my wife didn't need a break from going up the stairs. But I asked her to pause for a moment every once in a while just so we could soak in the awe-inspiring view of the Rhine River and the city below. I'm over here. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. My breathing's hard. I'm not. This Gothic architecture with its pointed arches and ribbed vaults was not just about aesthetics. It was a scientific innovation of its time. It distributes the weight evenly through the flying buttress design, allowing for these soaring heights that had never before been reached. So we're halfway. As we reach the top, and gaze upon the panorama of Cologne from this celestial height. We remember the centuries that shaped this marvel. This climb not only allows us to touch the sky, but also be connected to the very essence of history, science, and the enduring power of human ambition. I wonder what God could use you to do. And with that, it's time to head back down. What an incredible experience Germany gave us. We're so thankful for the lives that were changed and pray that God will use this trip 
to impact eternity. Her legs are shaking from the <laughs> stairs. I'm not in shape. I'm old. Oh I'm 44 my years word. old. They're so shaking. That's what happened. Guys, this this is amazing. Look at this. Wow. You come here to get awe and reverence of God. That's what this was built for.